We're in Galatians chapter 2 and we'll read from verse 1 through to verse 5. The Apostle Paul is still writing this letter to the Galatians and he says, Then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Amen. May the Lord uh, bless to us this reading from his word. I think that it is a good thing for us to remember that the gospel is factual, it's defined and it is clearly revealed in the preaching of Jesus Christ and the Apostles. And while that all might sound very obvious, let me say why I I mention this. It is important because the gospel has been revealed and is preached to be believed and upheld by the church. The gospel is not a broad aggregation or accumulation of helpful ideas. It is the objective truth of Jesus Christ's accomplishments in life and death for the salvation of his people. It's not an ancient tale gathered wisdom with with many interpretations from which we can pick and choose what suits us. The gospel is the revealed, discreet truth. The Lord Jesus Christ preached the gospel of the kingdom and he sent his disciples to do the same. He says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. If we are to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, then it is only by preaching his gospel that we will be able to do it. In the previous chapter, the Apostle Paul had distinguished between the true gospel and another gospel, which he said was really no gospel at all. Now, do you remember why it was no gospel? I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's not a quiz, I'll tell you. But it was no gospel because 
Any message that tells people what they have to do to be saved is not good news. It's a heavy burden. It's a crushing yoke that weighs down on sinful men and women who in and of themselves cannot live righteously, cannot act obediently, and cannot please God any which way. For our message to be gospel, it must declare what God has done, not what we must do. Not what is expected of us, but what was expected of Christ. Not the standard by which we are measured, but the firm assertion that Christ has satisfied all God's demands. So now the Apostle, here at the beginning of chapter 2, is beginning a section where he explains, or rather restates, because he's already explained all this to the Galatians while he was preaching amongst them. But now writing this letter to them, because he is aware of the infiltration of false teachers amongst them, he restates to the Galatians what the gospel is. Remember what I said right at the very beginning, how that the gospel is factual, it is defined and it is clearly revealed. Now the apostle is restating again to the Galatians what the gospel is. It is justification by Christ without the works of the law. This is the message Paul preached wherever he preached. This was the message he preached to Jews and Gentiles, to Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and Thessalonians. He preached it to kings, he preached it to slaves, he preached it to philosophers and governors, to soldiers and prisoners, to craftsmen and women and to children. One factual, defined and clearly revealed message as he had been given, as he had been taught by Christ himself. Justification by Christ without the works of the law. And if this message were still the single central theme of preachers today, I am sure that the church militant would not be in the confused condition that it is. Paul opens the chapter with a little history uh, by which his authority as an apostle of the gospel and his pedigree as a preacher of the gospel is uh, again established and confirmed. Paul isn't boasting here in these opening verses but recounting how his gospel was consistent with the other apostles against the allegations of the false teachers who were troubling the churches of Galatia. These, these false teachers were trying to insert a wedge between Paul's message and the preaching of the other apostles. He speaks about 14 years. That's probably 
14 years after his conversion because he's just been talking about his conversion. But uh, I thought it was a nice touch. Um, We're often interested, are we not, in how old a person is. Well, here Paul measures time not from when he was born, but from when he was born again. And Paul tells us that he went up to Jerusalem by revelation. That is, as he was directed by the Lord to do. And he was obedient to this call. Now, it may be that this was the visit made with Barnabas in Acts chapter 15, when the matter of circumcision was being discussed uh, by the apostles, by the church in Jerusalem. If it is, Luke doesn't mention Titus's presence there. But here Paul tells us that uh, Titus was present and though a Gentile, he was not compelled to be circumcised. So why should the Galatians up there in, in Asia Minor, up, up there in, in, in that uh, uh, northern Mediterranean uh, uh, province of, of Rome, why should they think that they needed to be uh, circumcised because these false teachers were telling them so? That the question of circumcision was an issue for the young church. It, it was a right in the Jewish faith. But it was, it was more than the symbolism of the cutting off of the flesh in males. It, it was rather indicative of subjection to the whole Jewish religion, legal and ceremonial. And it was used for proselytes to indicate that they were subject to all of the Jewish religion and all of Moses' law. Those who wished it to be continued in the Christian church so that Gentiles who were believing the gospel should subject themselves to circumcision saw it as a way of binding Christianity to Judaism, keeping it together as it were, and ultimately controlling it as well because it would have made it subject to the hierarchy in Jerusalem. Not the apostolic hierarchy, but the hierarchy of the Jews' faith. It was also a way of subjecting believers to the controlling rule of the law in their lives as a means and as a measure of righteousness and justification before God Ultimately, it was a denial of the gospel. And Paul understood this. So as well as resisting the idea of works righteousness, he also opposed circumcision. Because that was the emblem or the totem of the whole legal works righteousness system. And later in this epistle... The Apostle will summarise it like this in uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 15. He says, For in Christ Jesus 
neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Paul is telling us it's not what we do in the flesh that brings us to God, but what God does in us. The new birth, the new creation is God's work in us and it is evidenced and revealed by and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, our salvation is wholly in Christ and wholly from Christ. Neither you nor I nor any of the church of Jesus Christ can add to or take from the perfect righteousness obtained for us by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. We cannot increase or augment the holiness gained by the work of atonement and fulfilled and completed and finished by the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Paul's purpose in going to Jerusalem, where he spoke privately and intimately with the apostles, was to expose the false narrative of those who denied the gospel of grace and the ministry of the apostle. Paul was not unsure, he was not personally unsure about having run in vain in his ministry. Verse 2, he had divine authority from Christ. He had a special calling to the ministry. He had 14 years of successful preaching and church planting to convince his own mind. It wasn't that he thought, I better check this out in case I've run in vain. The dialogue with the apostles was to show others, such as the Galatians here in this letter, that they all, Paul and the apostles, were in agreement and that Paul's gospel differed nothing from the message preached by the other apostles. And that's still true. I've heard it said, when, when trying to, to, to uh, speak about the doctrines of grace, oh, well, that's Pauline theology. That's not the same gospel as Peter preached, or that's not the same gospel as, as John preached, or certainly that's not the same gospel as James preached. As if we can, we can carve up the, the different ministries of the apostles and find them saying something different. No, Paul is telling us here that the apostles maintained unity in the gospel. They had all received it from Christ and they preached what Christ had taught them. Let us note this also in these last couple of verses here before us today. Paul particularly refers to the presence of error in the church at Jerusalem. He says that there were false brethren who privately crept in and spoke against Paul and sought to undermine his ministry and thereby the gospel. 
And no doubt these were of the same sort, if not the very same individuals who were now troubling the Galatians because they were using similar accusations. And by this, we learn that Satan is able and does infiltrate Christian churches with false teachers who appear in many ways to be brethren, but who do not preach true gospel, but try rather to spoil the work of those who do. The apostle's response to these people was to withstand them and not subject himself or the gospel to them for an hour, or we would say for a moment or for a minute. And this he does. He tells the Galatians he did it for their sake because he knew if these false preachers were given any respect, they'd cause great trouble in all the churches as they now were doing amongst the Galatians. Let me conclude with this little thought, little summary really. Paul's gospel from the beginning to the end was justification by Christ without the works or apart from the works of the law. Righteousness freely imputed by sovereign grace of God and Christ's sacrificial and substitutionary work as the sole ground of a sinner's acceptance with God. This message has been attacked from the very beginning of the apostolic church. It has been attacked from the start by the devil and false teachers and false brethren. Their lies have been opposed by true preachers like Paul and they must not be tolerated amongst us today either. Brothers and sisters, let us personally enjoy the gospel liberty that comes from free grace. May God grant us wisdom to lay aside the yoke of bondage by trusting Christ alone for all our peace with God. And I know that, that, that sometimes things we do or things we don't do get between us and our view of Christ. But let us not lose sight of the fact that our standing before God never changes because of what we are and who we are in Christ. May we grow daily in grace and knowledge of the truth while resting ever in the completed work of Jesus Christ. And let us collectively, as a fellowship of the Lord's people, stand for the truth by maintaining a gospel witness through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that Paul faithfully preached. Amen.